It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, July 17th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Makachev versus Moises, which will take place in the matter of about 27 minutes. So, you know, as per usual, we're cutting it uh, pretty close to the uh, start of the event. But, you know, hey, you know, there's there's plenty of stuff to do. So, you know, this is not the uh, biggest card in the world. Uh, Tapology is telling me uh, it's an 11-fight card. I know that's a lie because it's a 10-fight card because uh, I believe uh, about an hour ago we had uh, Miles Johns uh, testing positive for COVID. So his fight with uh, Anderson Dos Santos... Uh, is uh, not on for tonight. So, uh, very small card, not a very good card either, uh, and not even just by comparison. Obviously, you know, when you have UFC 264, when you have the biggest pay-per-view of the year, you know, everything hails in comparison to that, but all things considered, this is, um, excuse me, not a very good card. There are uh, some interesting fights. In fact, a lot of interesting fights. I think this is a very good example of uh, matchmaking. I, I really don't disagree with any of the matchmaking on here. Um, but, yeah, not uh, not full of uh, big names. So, we'll probably uh, breeze right through this. Obviously, this card holds great significance because it's the last card of the 2020-2021 season. So the uh, season champion will be determined uh, tonight. I'm taking on Stormin' Gary Gooseman in the finals. Uh, I, I plan on stomping him, but he's upset two opponents before me. You know, he just absolutely curb stomped Drew. I mean, just historically embarrassing performance. I mean, just really kicked him when he was down. Uh, and then he beat Jordan, which is hilarious. So, you know, I'm... I'm taking him very seriously. That would be very shitty if I lost to a fucking goose. If uh, if Stormin' Gary Gooseman was the fucking inaugural season champion, I I might have to fold the company. That's just fucking terrible. So, I don't know. Sometimes doing the things that you're expected to do are you know, that's really the hardest thing to go out there and do. You know, it's basically I'm Khabib and he's Ally Aquinta. You know, if I do anything short of knocking him out, then, you know, that, that reflects poorly on me. But there's no pressure on Storm and Gary Gooseman because he just has to go in there and just, you know, swing for the fences. He can do whatever. But, you know, when you're the heavy favorite, when you're the minus 1,500 favorite here, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a little tricky. But, uh, yeah, so big main card showdown. Maybe we'll get picks in at some point. I don't know. I still got to get some picks for some people. But, uh little obviously all be on the uh on the twitter um so yeah we have no reason to uh not get right into this uh we'll start with the uh well assuming they haven't switched up the order entirely because of the falling out of DeSantos and johns we're going to start here with the uh, prelim opener in the heavyweight division between rodrigo nascimento and alan badeau 
Uh, Nascimento is eight and one. Badeau is eight and two. We're gonna take a look at the odds for this fight coming via Odds Shark. And uh, Nascimento is going to be the minus 370 favorite, according to Bovada. Um, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, hot takes here on either of these heavyweights. Obviously, both of them have a tremendous amount to prove in the UFC. They're both very young in their uh, MMA careers, but also very young in their uh, UFC careers. Uh, Nascimento is uh, 28 years old. He does have an 80-inch reach, despite only being uh, six foot two. Coming in, uh, well, they're going to have him coming in at 259. Uh, but in, in his prior fight, he weighed in at 243 uh, or 246. Excuse me. Uh, he got knocked out in 45 seconds by Chris Dawkins, so that's not uh, not exactly uh, you know super amazing. And uh, for Alan Badeau, uh, he got knocked out by uh, Tom Aspinall. So, you know, these are two guys who ran into much better prospects in their, uh, uh, well, Badeau's debut, uh, Nascimento's second fight. You know, if, if, if Nascimento is the minus 360, minus 370 favorite, I'm going to go with him and that's good enough for me. I, I really don't pay attention to uh, unranked heavyweight fights. I really don't even pay attention to ranked heavyweight fights, to be honest with you, but definitely not unranked. All right, moving on here. Uh, in the flyweight division, we have the brother of the former champion, uh, Francisco Figueredo, taking on Malcolm X. Gordon. Figueredo is 12-3-1. Gordon is 12-5. and five. Taking a look at the odds here, we're going to have Figueredo as the minus 250 favorite. Uh, again, you know, two guys trying to work their way up here in the flyweight division. Not a whole lot to go on here when you look at their uh, uh, UFC resumes. Uh, we got uh, Figueredo with a win over Jerome Rivera, who is, uh, well, after last week, he's now 0-4 in the UFC. So, um he will definitely be getting his walking papers. I can absolutely guarantee that, which is a shame because I, I like Rivera. I think, uh, you know, 5'10 is probably not the smartest idea for flyweight, but um, I don't know. He's scrappy. I like him. I, it's it's really hard to defend somebody when they're 0-4, but I don't know. When I watch him, there's something there. I, I think he'll get a second shot in the UFC in a couple of years. He's young. He's pretty active. Uh, it clearly did not work out right now, but I don't know. I, just, I have some sort of irrational affinity for Jerome Rivera and uh, just his general vibes. But uh, this is not about Jerome Rivera. Uh, it is about Figueredo. Uh, he actually didn't finish Rivera, who I think in all three of his other losses, he was finished. And pretty early, too. I think two of them, at least two of them, were first-round finishes. So, kind of struggled a little bit with Jerome Rivera not finishing someone who's uh, not very good. And uh, Malcolm Gordon, um, I, I liked his fight with, um, let's see here. Well, not, not his fight with Sumadarji, where he got knocked out in 44 seconds. I liked his fight with Amir Albazi. I thought it was fun while it lasted, but, you know, he's been finished uh, via, uh, well, actually submitted and knocked out. Uh, in, in, in the first round in both of his UFC appearances. So I'm, I'm picking between a, a D and an F minus. So I'm not going to go with the F minus in, uh, in Malcolm Gordon. I'll go with Figueredo on this one. 
All right, skipping past the uh, Miles Johns Anderson Dos Santos fight, uh, we have another bantamweight fight instead uh, between Khalid Taha and Sergey Morozov. Taha is 13 and 3. Morozov is 16 and 4. Taking a look at the odds here, Taha is the minus 150 favorite. Um, actually, a pretty interesting bantamweight prospect, and and uh, you know he's kind of ran into some uh, tough times here in the UFC. Uh, he he lost his debut to Nad Naramani, which is not very good. Came back, knocked out uh, Boston Salmon at a no contest against Bruno Silva, which I believe he won. I believe that was before Bruno Silva. Uh, in fact, actually, I, I know he won that fight, and then it got overturned because then Silva went on to uh, get a couple of really nice first-round finishes and then kind of ran into uh, you know that buzzsaw of uh, Howney Barcelos and lost via unanimous decision back in November of 2020. Um, that's a rough one. That's a fucking rough one. And by the way, Howney Barcelos, I said this on the recap show a couple of weeks ago, uh, when Barcelos fought Timor Valiev, he beat Valiev. I don't know what the fuck anybody's talking about, about Valiev winning that fight. So, Howney Barcelos is still on that spectacular winning streak in my mind. I, no way Timor Valiev. Barcelos nearly took the life of Valiev. Like, and I get it. Like, there's a lot of different factors, but, <coughs> excuse me. He, he beat Timor Valiev. That's just, that's wild. Um,. And then Morozov, uh, I don't, I'm not super familiar. I don't believe this is his um, uh, UFC debut. Yeah, so he lost to uh, Umar Nurmagomedov uh, back in January. That's a pretty tough, pretty tough guy to run into as well. So um, I don't know. I, I'm gonna go with Khalid Taha on this one. I'm gonna go with the German, but. Um, because at least I've seen flashes from Taha in the UFC. And again, sometimes that comes back to, to bite me in the ass where, you know, you pick the known over the unknown, but it is the unknown. So, you know, Morozov might be a really good fighter. Uh, he was on fairly impressive five-fight winning streak uh, before coming in the UFC, beat Josh Reddinghouse uh, over in M1, who's on uh, the current season of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go Khalid Taha on on this one, not for uh, any profound reasoning. All right, moving on here, if my uh, phone would allow me. Uh, moving moving on here to uh, an interesting matchup here in the strawweight division between Amanda Limos and Montserrat Ruiz. Limos is nine one and one. Ruiz is ten and one. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. Amanda Limos is actually going to be the uh, holy. Sh- there's a wide discrepancy here in in the um, in the odds. So according to the opening, she's going to be the minus two fifty favorite on the money line. According to Bovada, she is the minus six hundred favorite. Holy shit! If you're a fan of Montserrat Ruiz, there's a lot of money to be made depending on where you put your money on the books. But bet online, intertops, and sports betting, whatever the fuck those are, also have it roughly around a minus 600 favorite. So I don't know what the fuck the opening is is doing there. I think that's wild. I've said on the last couple of shows, anytime there's a very heavy favorite in unranked fe-
female MMA, fucking there's money to be made on the underdog. So that's wild. Because honestly, before I just pulled up the odds, I was kind of thinking I was going to go with Montserrat Ruiz. So that's insane. There's definitely money to be had on on Ruiz. Uh, Amanda Lemos has been in the UFC for uh, a little longer. She's on a three-fight winning streak, 34 years old. So, you know, it's it's do or die for her at, at this point. Um, not a lot of straw weights that still compete at the top end of the division at, at 35, 36, 37. So she, she's got to kick it into high gear. Uh, looked really good, really, really good in her last fight against Lavinia Souza. Was tagging her constantly. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> it's a little dusty back here. Uh, but tagging her constantly and um, a bit of a merciful uh, stoppage. I mean, they, she, they, they really saved Souza. Uh, but, you know, also has um, uh, a finish of Miranda Granger, uh, a unanimous decision victory over uh, Mizuki Inoue, who's a pretty hyped uh, Japanese fighter. But honestly, I, I liked what I saw from Ruiz, and it's tough because it was only one fight, and it was against Cheyenne Bays, who was off of the uh, Contender Series, so not an established UFC fighter. But she absolutely dominated Cheyenne Bays. I really like the ground game of Ruiz, just the 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 top control. Just it looks so natural, and uh, when when she's on the ground, and there is no escape. I mean, at least for Cheyenne Bays. I mean, who knows? Maybe she tries to do that against Lemos and just, you know, can't get anything going. But there was literally no escape. I mean, once the once the fight was on the ground, it stayed on the ground literally until the, the end of each round. So, I don't know. If the fight goes to the ground, I, I would probably favor Montserrat, Montserrat Ruiz if it's standing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Ruiz has good boxing. But Lemos looked like a fucking absolute killer in that fight. So, unfortunately for Ruiz, I am going to go with Amanda Lemos. But I, I think the I think the line should be a lot closer to uh, how the opening has it. Minus 250 favorite. Minus 300 favorite, maybe, if you want to, for Amanda Lemos. But I, I think Ruiz is a, a live dog. All right, moving on here to the welterweight division. This will be the prelim headliner if uh, everything holds uh, steady. Uh, and it's going to be between Daniel Rodriguez and Preston Parsons. Rodriguez is 14-2. and two. Preston's, uh, Parsons is 9-2. and two. This was originally supposed to be uh, Rodriguez versus uh, Abubakar Namagomedov, which would have been a really fun fight. Uh, that fell through. Uh, and Daniel Rodriguez is the minus 360 favorite, according to Bovada. The opening has him as a minus 218 favorite, which is just really fucking weird. So I don't know anything about Preston Parsons. He's a late replacement, uh, 26 years old. He's on a, a four-fight winning streak, uh, has a lot of chokes on his record, so that's pretty interesting. Rodriguez is known uh, as a striker. Um for me, it's a foregone conclusion, as much as you can say that in MMA, where anything can and probably will happen, that Rodriguez wins this fight. So I am going to go with Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, I don't have anything to say about Preston Parsons. No idea. Never heard that name before I looked, you know, and saw the fight announcement, you know, short notice. But, you know, Rodriguez 
should be 5-0. and He should be undefeated in the UFC right now. That fight against Nicholas Dobby was bullshit. He won that fight. Uh, he he, he uh, faced Mike Perry uh, in his last fight and beat him handedly. Uh, this guy has really good power. He, he uh, Striking-wise, he really kind of reminds me of OSP, where anything on the left side of his body is just going to send you to the fucking grave. I mean, left kicks, left punches... Anything with that left side of D-Rod's body is so vicious. It's so malicious when he throws it. And um, I don't know, man. You know, he's got a handful of finishes here in the UFC, a couple of decision wins. I don't know how uh, Gabe Green went to the the final bell. That one is low-key a fight of the year contender for uh, 2020. But... uh, I, th- I think he'll put him away in the first round, and then I really want to see a challenge for him. I, 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 it's such a fucking shame, especially with a guy who's 34 years old, who again is directly in his prime, but still outside the rankings, so still has a lot of work to do to get up there. I want to see a real challenge for D-Rod. Now, I don't know who that would be, but like, can we just see, can we just, can we give up, like... Hey Neil Magny, how about like let's let's go Neil Magny and Daniel Rodriguez? And I'm just spitballing names here. I don't know if he's interested in taking a fight or if he's even scheduled for a fight. But like, damn man, like can we can we get somebody in the rankings for Daniel Rodriguez? I mean, I really want to see what this guy's ceiling is. He's a, he's a really durable fighter and uh, a really dangerous striker. All right, moving on here to the main card opener. It's going to be in the featherweight division between Billy Quarantillo and Gabriel Benitez. Quarantillo is 15-3. and three. Benitez is 22-8. and eight. Taking a look at the odds here, Gabriel Benitez will be the minus 155 favorite, according to Bovada. Um... I don't, I don't know if that's the fight I would use to open uh, the main card, but uh, I don't know. This entire fight card is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, very interesting, to, to say the least. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's not a pick'em. Uh, you know, to, to be honest with you, uh, Quarantillo lost his last fight against Gavin Tucker, but before that, uh, he was on a three-fight winning streak in the UFC for three and a half if you want to count the contender series um he's going to be two inches taller he's going to actually sacrifice an inch when it comes to uh the the reach and then uh you know for for gabriel benitez uh had a nice knockout of justin james in his last fight uh but it's coming off of uh two losses before that to uh, omar morales and sadiq youssef um I'd probably like Quarantillo a little more on the ground. Uh, I, I think the more dangerous guy in this equation is uh, Gabriel Benitez. Uh, he's going to have a shorter average fight time uh, than, than Billy Q. I, I think I think if a finish comes in this fight, I would probably pick it to come from Gabriel Benitez. Uh, I'd be a little surprised if Quarantillo uh, finished Gabriel. Numbers are going to tell you... To, to go with Benitez, 2.6 significant strikes absorbed per minute, landing 4.23. Quarantillo has a pretty high output, but um, he, he's just a shade away from being a give one, uh, a take one to give one type of a, a, a fighter. Um, 
and, and Benitez has pretty good takedown defense, right? Right at the level of a right at the percentage of a, a, a Wonder Boy Thompson. So I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna go Gabriel Benitez. I'm 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 kind of stuck on whether or not whether or not I want to finish. I think that's what's what's getting me here. Billy Q has only ever been finished once in his career. You know, I'm going to go unanimous decision. A finish really wouldn't surprise me. Benitez uh, can throw with bad intentions, but I'm going to go Benitez by unanimous decision. All right, moving on here to the middleweight division. We'll have a fight between Rodolfo Vieira and Dustin Stoltzfus. Vieira is 7-1, Stoltzfus is 13-2. Taking a look at the odds here, and we will have uh, Vieira as the minus 215 favorite. Interesting fight here. <coughs> you got just kind of your, your average, typical prospect in, in Dustin Stoltzfus uh, coming off of the Contender Series. Um, he won that fight over Joseph Pfeiffer via uh, uh, an arm injury. Now, that was where uh, Pfeiffer uh, dislocated his elbow or maybe just completely shattered his elbow. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what the actual injury was, but I know it was the elbow, and it was pretty grotesque. Um, so I, don't wanna, I do not want to say he got a free pass into the UFC, but he only had to fight for four and a half minutes, and it ended via injury, so that's a little weird. And then he came in. Lost to Kyle Dawkins. I think Kyle Dawkins is really good. So uh, not, you, you never can throw results out the window, but you, you do have to recognize that Kyle Dawkins is pretty fucking good. And conversely, Hidolfo Vieira, 31 years old, one of the greatest BJJ uh, practitioners uh, of all time, question mark? I don't know BJJ that well, but I, people talk about him very, very highly. So maybe that's... Uh, not for me to say, but I'm just going to say I've heard people say that. Um, lost his last fight uh, via submission, which is not good, but, uh, you know, exhaustion will make a coward of all of us. Um, that fight was kind of impressive in the wrong way for Vieira. He gassed out in three minutes, which was insane. So... Did he fix his cardio? That's that's the thing for me coming into this fight. Uh, you know, I'm going to come out and say I'm going to pick Vieira to win this fight. Uh, I'm going to pick him to win um, uh, by submission. But can he fix his cardio? Because I have real, you know, serious concerns about this guy going even 15 minutes in the middleweight division. He gassed out in three minutes. That is so concerning for me. <clears throat> now, I have nothing to base this base this on. That was his last performance, so I'm going to go out on a limb and assume, which could make an ass out of you and me, that uh, Vieira has made the requisite uh, adjustments because he is a super athlete and he has achieved a very high level of uh, well, achieved a high level of achievement. Uh, you know, in another discipline that directly translates to MMA. So it's not just some fucking, sh you know, schmuck. You know, it's this is a very respected uh, martial artist. So I'm going to I'm going to assume that he's made 
the correct uh, choices. And if he hasn't, then I think he'll lose. But I, th- I think he has. You know, it's a major leap, but I'd love to see it because it is a 20-pound difference we're talking about. This guy's a light heavyweight. There's no fucking way he's a middleweight. So I have some pretty big long-term concerns for Vieira. But in, in the meantime, when he's facing unranked guys, uh, I, I, I do like him over Stoltzfus. His striking's not good, so he might be in trouble against uh, Dustin, but I, I just think his ground game is so good. Just get the fight to the ground. I, I think he's going to win very early because I think that's the, the most likely outcome. That's, that's the best scenario for him when they're as dry as possible and have as much energy as possible just choke him out however you can choke him out and you know this guy's good enough and credential enough that i think he pulls it off so i'll actually go first round submission which is something i really don't ever pick but uh you know you got to make exceptions for guys like this all right moving on here to the featured bout on the main card it's going to be in the lightweight division between matisse gamrot and jeremy stevens Gamrot is 18 and 1. Stevens is 28 and 18. We'll take a look at the odds here, and Gamrot will be the minus 250 favorite, according to Bovada. Uh, interesting fight, and this is this is probably the the best example of uh, stellar matchmaking that I talked about on this card. I love this. Who would think this? Like, you know, it's not like this is, like, the craziest idea in the world, but who would think to put Jeremy Stevens up at lightweight against, you know, this highly touted Polish prospect who lost his debut, who people still have a lot of high hopes for? Like, I just, I love it. Why, you know, why, why fuck around and, I don't want to name names, but, like, why have Gamrot fight some bum? Like, why pull some bum from the regional MMA circuit to fight Gamrot? Like, let's see if he's a real deal or not. So, I mean... Whatever you could say about Jeremy Stevens, and he does have the most losses by far in UFC history. Uh, he's a he's a good fighter. Like you can't you can't stick around that long if you're not an exciting fighter and aren't in the good graces of the company and don't put on good fights and don't win fights as well. You know he's won a lot of fights in the UFC as well, more than he's lost. You know a lot of them in the rankings. So it's not somebody. It's not somebody like an Alessio Zaleski dos Santos who has a million wins you know, against unranked fighters, or or Islam Makachev. And again, I'm not blaming him. I'm not saying it's his fault. It's just a reality at this point, which, you know, he has the chance to fix uh, in the future. But who has he ever beat? He, he's beat nobody in the rankings. You know what I mean? So records are... A lot of things are very contextual. So um, Stevens is a, is a very dangerous test here for Gamrot. Uh, he's he's a very well-rounded uh, fighter. I mean, really both of them, actually. But Gamrod is a very well-rounded fighter, probably a little more of a wrestler. Uh, he's They're basically identical when you look at height, weight, and reach. The, the, the only question for me is... How much more is Gamrod going to weigh inside that octagon? Because he's a true lightweight. Jeremy Stevens is a true featherweight. So, I don't know if Jeremy Stevens has ever fought at lightweight in in the UFC, but if he has, it's been a very long time. I mean, the vast majority, if not all of his, 
career, maybe not the very early days of his career. I don't fucking go that far back, you know, with my personal recollection. But, you know, this guy's a featherweight. So will he be undersized, even if they both weigh in at the same weight and you have the same body dimensions? I mean, bodies are very different. So is he going to be 10 pounds lighter than Gamrod? Is he going to be 5 pounds lighter? Is is he going to weigh exactly the same? Uh, how does he how does he fill out? And then, you know, because sometimes moving up is a good thing, and sometimes moving up is, you know, not that much of a good thing. You know, Deron Wynn moving up from 185 to fucking 200 pounds, you know, in, in a catch weight. Yeah, that's not a good thing, you know. I, but but I think this will be a good thing for Jeremy Stevens because he's kind of ran his course at featherweight. He is getting a little older. He is 35, so you know things get a little bit harder as as you know time goes on. So maybe it's the correct time. He's not even if he doesn't fill out perfectly on in, in this first fight. You know, he, five nine is perfectly reasonable for for lightweight. And uh, you know maybe he has better cardio. Maybe he's maybe he's actually more powerful. So, uh, you know, as long as it's the, the good type of weight. He's, and, you know, he seemed to be in a, a really good headspace for uh, a lot of the press stuff he's been doing, uh, you know, in the, in the last few few days. So it really makes me want to pick Jeremy Stevens. He really, uh, you know, he really seems in a good spot. Um, and it's easy to go with Gamrop because he's, you know, he was a champion over in KSW. That's a very respectable organization. I mean, you know, Blahovich came from over there and fucking probably some other people. I don't know, but, you know, that's a respectable uh, organization. Um, boy, this is tough. I mean, the odds are going to be in favor of Gamrop, but uh, I, I really like Jeremy Stevens. But he's on a hell of a losing streak, though, which... I don't know, but then again, it's, you know, that's a different weight class. Uh, maybe he catches Gamrot sleeping. And, you know, for anybody who says, because I know even uh, uh, Garam Kutitaladze said that Gamrot won that fight. Gamrot lost his fight. His, his UFC debut, he lost that. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I think the judges got it correct. I, I think he definitely lost that fight. Um... Oh, and excuse me, there was a fight in between with uh, Scott Holtzman, of course, uh, back in uh, April. Uh, so uh, he's not just coming off of that uh, uh, loss. That being said, it's a it's a coin flip. I'm going to go with Gamrot. I'm just going to go with the upside uh, on this one. I think he is in store for uh, the, the toughest fight of his career. I mean, looking up and down his resume, uh, he's definitely he definitely has not fought anybody... Uh, quite on the level of uh, a Jeremy Stevens. And that doesn't mean he can't beat him, but it, it's, it's not going to look pretty. Anybody who beats Jeremy Stevens, it, you never really do it pretty. I mean, people beat him because he has a lot of fucking losses, but like, ah, it's, people don't exactly do it pretty. I mean, he really makes it hard. But yeah, we'll go Gamrot by... Um, oh, we'll go unanimous decision. All right, moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It is going to be in the uh, female bantamweight division uh, between Marion Renault and Misha Tate. Renault is nine seven and one. Tate is eighteen and seven. We'll take a look at the odds here, and Tate will actually be the minus one seventy favorite. 
I do not care about this co-main event. Um, I don't care at all. It's been five years since Misha Tate last fought. I don't care. People are making a big deal about her coming back, and I don't... Whatever, people are making a big deal about her <laughs> coming back. I don't care. I really don't care. And I, I care even less that she's fighting Marion Renault. Um, so, I just want to get that off my chest. I really don't care. Uh, I don't think it's exciting. I think the sport... If the sport has moved past Ronda Rousey that quickly and that viciously, I could not imagine what is in store for Misha Tate if she continues to fight after this fight. Now, the good thing for her is she's fighting a 43-year-old, a 44-year-old. She's fighting a 44-year-old school teacher who is on a four-fight losing streak and has not won since uh, February of 2018. So the UFC handpicked a very, 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 very easy fight that technically is ranked against someone who uh, does not really have finishing ability, at least not at this point in her career. So it's just, I, like, I really don't get... Maybe if Misha Tate was facing even Raquel Pennington. Hey, try to get that Raquel Pennington loss back. Uh, you know, or any... Uh, I don't know, Aspen Ladd or something, I don't know, but I, I just, man, I don't care, and it's, it, it, this is perfect matchmaking, if you're a, in Misha Tate's camp, if you're Misha Tate, I, I, you know, probably my lock of the week, it's probably the mailman's lock of the week, if I'm being honest, if I cared enough to, to name a lock of the week for this fight card, but, uh, yeah, man, ugh, this is tough, this is, uh, this is tough. And I'm going to go Misha Tate by unanimous decision, probably via a boar fest. I, I think Marion Renault should have retired three fights ago. Uh, I, she just, just does not have it. At, at 44 years old, she's never getting to a title shot. I mean, she's seven wins away from a title shot. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why she fights, and I, I assume she has a reason, and whatever reason she picks is perfectly valid because it's, it's her reason. But, like, are you fighting to compete? Are you fighting to make money? Are you do you really are you really fighting to be champ? I don't like I I don't know. I I don't know. All I know is I'm not interested in, in watching either of these two fights. So I I might just uh, find something else to do during this time. You know, any stats that you could throw out uh, from Misha Tate are largely irrelevant because it's been five years. So oh, she has this takedown percentage or whatever, and and this and that. Yeah, that was five years ago. I mean, holy smokes, is that a long time? But, but, she, Misha Tate, this is terrible, lands 2.18 significant strikes per minute, absorbs 4.39. I could not imagine that that's going to get any better five years away from the sport. I could not imagine her offense is going to get any better, and I could not imagine her defense is going to get any better. So, it really gives me pause picking Misha Tate. In fact, if I could pick nobody for this fight, if I literally could just not pick anybody, I would do that. But because the main card... You know, oh, man. Oh, the main... The main card showdown. Season championship is on the line, and this is a fight that might determine who wins the entire season. Oh, man. What if, what if I get 10 7 what if I get ten, what if Storm and Gary Gooseman and I heading in to the co-main event are tied 
and I pick Tate by unanimous decision, and he picks Renault by unanimous decision, and or no, picks picks Renault by first round TKO, and Renault just curb stomps Misha Tate, and I get 10-7, and I lose because of this fight, because of this fight. I'll pick any other fight. I'll pick any other fight, but oh, this is the one. This is the swing fight. This is the biggest fight prediction of my entire season because I guarantee this is the one that's going to make or break it and probably break it because why would this ever these fights never go my way I I think I what is it I have um I have nine losses in the main card showdown or something like that all nine losses are because of fights like this I'm undefeated when it comes to legitimately picking fights on a fight card but it's Nine times I have picked a fight like this, and nine times I, I've picked wrong. So, oh, fuck me, this one sucks. Now I really want to go Renault, because the stats are way better. I didn't realize Misha Tate's stats, and those are stats from her prime as well. That's the entirety of her career. So that's not good. That's not good at all. Obviously, the grappling stats are going to be a lot better, but, oh, man. You know what? I, I think Misha Tate's a better grappler than Marion Renault, and I don't think Renault is a th- threat on the feet. So, <sighs> weakness versus weakness, strength versus strength, and I think the weaknesses cancel out. The strength is higher for Misha Tate, so I'll go Misha Tate by unanimous decision, begrudgingly. All right, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's going to be in the lightweight division between Islam Makachev and Tiago Moises. Uh, Makachev, excuse me, is 19 and 1. Moises is 15 and 4. Makachev is also the number nine ranked uh, lightweight. Moises is at 14. Uh, I suppose I'll uh, pull up uh, North Star Sports rankings. I didn't initially have them pulled up because there's not a lot of ranked uh, fighters on this. Uh, I know for a fact we do not have Tiago Moises ranked. Uh, we did at one point, but it's a very hard case to, to make that he's ranked. And we have Islam Makachev sitting at number eight. So uh, quite the uh, discrepancy here. Uh, I, I do not understand this fight. It doesn't make any sense to me. Excuse me. Um, I, I don't get it. I mean, I get it. People don't want to fight Makachev. But holy shit. Did, he needs to be fighting in a main event tonight against Tony Ferguson. He needs to be fighting against Kevin Lee. He needs to be fighting against Gregory Gillespie, Grant Dawson, uh, RDA... Well, yeah, it was when he was supposed to fight RDA. Fucking, why, why is RDA not... Well, I guess he had to weigh in for 264. But, you know, Gillespie. Like, let's find somebody... Because the the, the problem is... And I, I, hate, I hate to spoil it here, but I am going to go with Makachev to win. Duh. You know, everybody's going with Islam. But the, the thing that's kind of shitty about this is... Say he does what he's always done. And he just... Uh, grapple fucks Moises, dominates him for 18 minutes, and then finishes him. What, what did we learn? How does that help him? I mean, it's another win. It's another win. But like, okay, d- does that push you closer to a, a title fight? Does that push you closer to getting a, a big name fight? Not 
not really. Not really. It really does nothing. It's just another guy who's way below you that you beat. So due to his own talent, and I'm not blaming him. Like when I criticize stuff like this, it has nothing to do with Islam Makachev. It would have something to do with the UFC uh, mostly. And then maybe like his management and, and maybe other fighters who are too afraid to fight him. So, you know, when I when I levy criticism like this, it's not against Islam. But it's like the, the only good thing about this is that he's headlining a main event that that will put him closer to uh, a title shot, because it's something that Chael Sonnen talks about where you just want to get to a main event, because if you get to a main event and you win, then you're on another main event. Or you're a, a co-main event on a pay-per-view or something. But, the, you know, once you get to a certain level and you keep winning, you don't go down. You go down when you lose. So in that sense, this is a very, very big fight for him because his name is is the name on the marquee. But, you, you know, when it comes to opponents, and I know Chael Sonnen would, would disagree, uh, you know, on, on things like this, but I, I don't think this puts you any closer like okay, you're, like you're still at some po- at some point, you're still gonna have to fight somebody ahead of you in the rankings. You can't just always beat people twenty thousand leagues below you in the rankings and move up the rankings. At some point, a Dan Hooker or an RDA or a Tony Ferguson or you know, at some point, somebody ahead of him is gonna have to fight him. Whether or not the UFC needs to force somebody's hand, or you know, I don't know what they have to do, but you have to figure out something here. And that'd be some shit if Islam lost this fight and all of this was for nothing. Uh, but I, I think he's safe. I, I really do. Um, now, at the same time, I think Moises is a good fighter. I think it'll be a tough fight. I think it might... It's probably the second toughest fight of his career on paper. I think the Drew Dober fight was probably a little a little bit tougher for Makachev. But obviously he... Only on paper because when it actually played out... You know, he, he dominated him, but you know, heading into that fight, Dober was on quite the impressive streak, uh, which again only goes to shine um, Islam Makachev. But you know, Moises, very good BJJ guy, is you know had some losses in the UFC, um, you know, but it's to Benil Dariush, it's to Demir uh, Ismagulov, who I think is three and zero in the UFC. I don't know if he ran into a suspension or something, or had some injuries or whatever, but not as active. Uh, as he'd uh, like to be but you know I think the Michael Johnson win was pretty good I think uh, the win against Bobby Green really showed he was a a very good striker and the same with the Hernandez fight I mean Moises is a ground guy who's young he's only uh, 26 years old but his striking has greatly improved so you know I could I could probably listen to an argument that Moises is a better striker uh, than Islam Makachev and then you know but but again, he's not a knockout artist, but any, anybody can be caught. But, you know, if you want to make the argument that Moises is going to have the advantage on the feet, I would listen to that, and I'd probably agree, it, 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 at least based on the eye test. I don't know if stats would heavily, um, you know, support that. But if the fight goes to the ground, I mean, that's just Islam Makachev's world. And it's going to be tougher against Moises than it was against Dover because Moises is good on the ground I'm sure I'm sure he's good on his back if you're a BJJ guy listen I mean like how do you not work off your back at some point you know so it'll it'll be interesting he's gonna have to maybe be a little more cautious maybe he finishes Moises in round four or round five maybe he doesn't just 
you know, grind him down by round two or round three. You know, might might have to take his time a little bit, but uh, I think this is uh, Makachev's fight uh, to lose. Uh, and and Moises has a has a far longer um, uh, fight time. The 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 stats for their striking. I feel like when you're a grappler like Makachev, it's a little bit skewed. So he lands two significant strikes per minute, only gets hit with 0.77 strikes per uh, minute. Uh, 0.77 significant strikes per minute. That's a little... I mean, that is true. That is true. But obviously he's not kickboxing for every single minute. You know, it's it's hard to get punched when you're taking someone's back and choking them out. So... You know, that kind of skews it a little bit, and Moises gets hit uh, more often than he lands. But I, I but, but I'd, I'd like to see for his last three fights how that is, because that those would include some of his losses early on. I think, um, I, I think the the numbers probably would be flipped. Um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, for his last three fights. So you know the the numbers are are always a little tricky when you're looking at guys who are you know pretty far out in in the rankings and you know you might fight a really good up-and-comer and then you fight some bad people and you know it's like oh you have a higher you have a higher significant strike percentage than fucking george st pierre well yeah because you know you fought three guys off the contender series so you know again context is very important both of these guys are incredibly active with submission attempts makachev one point uh basically 1.1 per 15 minutes uh, Moises 2.5, so that's pretty pretty high. The takedown defense market for Makachev is 93%, so he's not getting taken down uh, at all. But and his takedown accuracy is 68%, while the defense for Moises is 57. That is never good. You rarely see someone with a higher takedown accuracy than takedown than your opponent's takedown defense. That is very rare. Getting a takedown is harder than defending a, a, a takedown. So even really good grapplers you know you might have a 40 percent takedown accuracy because it, it's it's hard it takes a lot of energy and a lot of times with takedowns it's not you don't just go for one you know what i mean if you're a wrestler and that's your game you don't just go for one and get denied and you know be like oh well i guess i can't take them down no you probably go for three or four or five and you know by the by the fourth one you you got your takedown or you chain wrestle uh one takedown attempt into you know two or three extended, you know, sequences or whatever. So that's definitely not good. So Moises, I would almost guarantee he will be working off his back at some point, uh, which could get interesting. I don't know how dangerous his back game is, but uh, I guess we're going to find out. But, yeah, you know, I'm going to go Islam Makachev. I'm going to say he wins in round four. Submission might be a little tough and Moises he's never lost from a submission I'm gonna say it's it's Makachev round four TKO I think he just he pounds him out I think a submission is not wishful thinking against Moises but that's that that is a tall task if he submitted Tiago Moises I, I would be pretty impressed I would be I'd be very very impressed that that would say a lot to me but yeah we'll go Islam Makachev round four TKO so with that, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. Got to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. 
and thanks for tuning in, everybody.